Hello, it is Wednesday, December 16th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Out MMA podcast. And here are the topics for today. Starting off with a Dana White fact check from an interview he gave with BT Sport, and then moving on to the MMA media and the UFC rankings, and closing out with some information on why Anthony Johnson said he signed with Bellator and not the UFC. And now, on with the show. Dana White did an interview with BT Sport, and um, I think it was just published today. It was, as interviews go with Dana White and a major um, media site, it was a typical pro-Dana White interview, lobbing softballs, giving White a chance to, you know, hit him out of the park, which he's good at. Because if you don't push him on anything, it's the Dana White show, isn't it? So it was the Dana White show, and I did some fact-checking on this and have some comments on some of the things he said. And so let's get to it. One of the things that um, really bothered me was that he said, had he shut everything down and during COVID, and that there would have been $200 million dollars or around $200 million lost in fighter pay. So I did the math on that. And the math says uh, at 41 fights, which was what I think is going to happen this year, unless something, unless my count was wrong, 41 fight cards this year, um, $200 million would have averaged out to $4.878 million in salary per event. Uh, so if you look at, the salary for UFC 250, which was the most recent disclosed pay for a UFC pay-per-view, and that took place at the Apex. The total payout for that card was $2.293 million, which far cry from the $4.878 million uh, that it would have averaged if it would have hit $200 million or around $200 million because the $4.878 falls slightly under $200 million. UFC 249, which took place in Jacksonville, and that had two title fights on it. The payout was slightly higher. Well, actually a lot higher at $3.557 million for the total event. So you add those together and you're looking at, you know, $5.8 million. So it's $5.8 if you add those two together. And White's saying it's at $200 million, it's $4.878 for one fight card of, of, his, of his average. So... Unless there is something massively, unless I heard wrong, I didn't. Or White uh, overestimated, looks like he did. He's not even close with the numbers that he provided. Um, so, yeah, 2.29 and 3.557 million. And at 200 million, the average would have been 4.878 for 41 fight cards. So, White, as is his want, is making it sound like the fighters Unless they got a huge raise, they didn't. It's making it sound like the fighters are making a lot more than they than they really are. And let's t- let's also look at the fact that the the big names didn't fight that often this year. McGregor fought in, in January, and he's not going to fight again until this coming January. So that that money's out. Um, there were a lot more Dana White contender series guys competing and girls gals competing on these cards. And so that's also going to lower the average fight pay. So unless something is really amiss, and I don't think it is, White is 
severely overestimating what fighters would have made in 2020, which not a shock, but let's not take Dana White's word when it comes to financial numbers on the fighter side of the equation. Let's at least do a little fact checking. So it does not seem like 200 million is in the ballpark. White then said that, um, and this is a, a line he has used recently, so his, his playbook's getting reused a lot more often than normal. <clears throat> Excuse me. He said that Rose Namajunas was not interested. He heard that she was not interested in a title fight with Wiley Zhang, and so the UFC was probably going to pursue a fight with Carla Esparza and, and Zhang. And by the time this story kind of hit, Pat Barry said that Namajunas is 100% interested in a title fight. And this is the same thing that happened with Robert Whitaker when Whitaker said that he was interested in fighting Israel Adesanya. And then, and this was after White said that the Adesanya fight made sense. And then he, he came out and said, you know, that he didn't, he heard that Whitaker didn't want the fight. And Whitaker actually had said that he did want the fight before that interview. Now, this one came out after the interview, but this is twice now where White's used the thing where he said he heard that someone didn't want a title fight. And so they were going to move on to something else. Wouldn't you think that you would, you know, pick up the phone? And ask the fighter in Whitaker's case himself or in Rose Namajunas' case herself, why don't you pick up the phone? You're the president of the organization and you're going to start matchmaking on a I heard. And this, this scenario came up often in, the, in, his, um, in his interview with BT Sport where more than once he said that he heard. Um, I think it came up in... His reference to Namajunas, Nurmagomedov, um, who else was it? It was more than, it, there was a, a handful of, of I heard kind of references, which doesn't, doesn't really fly. If you're the UFC president and you hold the future of these folks in, in your hand, in, in a case of a title fight, um, money is going to increase. So you can't go with the you heard. Call the fighter. Call the fighter's manager, get in contact with the team in some way and say, hey, we want to book this fight. What kind of time frame are you looking at? Do you really want it? And if the answer is no, then you can say, I spoke to the fighter and they said they didn't want it. You can't go with an I heard. That's just bullshit. So some say, say uh, Carlos Esparza calls Dana White up and says, I heard that Rose Namajunas doesn't want the fight, so give it to me. And then he just does. See, the scenario... It's stupid, it's lazy, and it builds distrust um, with fighters. And it, what it also does, and this is the thing that bothers me probably the most, is that it's, Dana White likes to say he's a, a promoter, a fight promoter. Well, then he should be promoting his independent contractors, his fighters, but he doesn't do that. He promotes the UFC. So this is the kind of thing that he uh, complained about Bob Arum uh, a couple weeks ago when Aram said that he wasn't making money on fighters and then White went off on him and saying he was a bad promoter and he didn't promote his fighters. Well, what's White doing here? He's not promoting Rose Namajunas. He's running her over in the media without even consulting her. He's just saying this fighter, the implication here is this fighter's chicken shit and, and doesn't deal with pressure well and doesn't want to fight for a belt. So I'm going to move on to someone that does. And how is that promoting? 
He's an anti-promoter. He doesn't promote the fighters. He promotes the UFC. He promotes himself. It's exactly what's happening here. And fighters need to wise up. Dana White is not your friend. He's not your promoter. He's the president of a company trying to make money for other people. That's what he is. And, and fighters need to stand up for themselves. And if I'm Rose Namajunas here, I'm making a big noise that this is 100% not true. And no one spoke to me about it. And I want that title fight. And then hopefully other fighters see this. And if you're in the title picture, make it known in the media that you want these things. So Dana White can, if he does this, which he'll do it even if you say you want a title fight like Robert Whitaker. But at least you'll be able to say, no, I clearly said it a month ago that I wanted this fight. And now you're saying I don't, you know, don't give White the chance to, to run you over. He will. He, and he just did it again. Um, the rankings. I'll get back to that. He, Dana White said that Leon Edwards would gain something by beating Hamza Chemaev. And I don't know how that's possible. Because Leon Edwards is ranked number three in the welterweight division. And Chemaev's ranked 15. And I think Chemaev has one welterweight fight. And Edwards has eight wins in a row and he's coming off I mean it's been a while since he fought but in July 2019 he beat Rafael Dos Anjos before that he beat Gunnar Nelson and Donald Cerrone so what does Leon Edwards exactly gain from beating Chemayev? he's not going to go up in the rankings he's third he's ranked third he's behind um let me double check here he's behind Colby Covington and Gilbert Burns Covington's probably going to fight Jorge Masvidal Burns is going to fight, hopefully, Kamara Usman. And Leon Edwards is going to go and fight the 15th guy. So one is going to fight four. Two is going to fight the champ. And three is going to fight 15. And that's something good for number three? Come on now. I know I know Dana White loves Jemiah, but that's a stretch. That's a big stretch. And I don't, I don't see it. All right. So now on to the rankings. On more than one occasion in the past week or two weeks, Dana White has said, um, we'll see what happens when the rankings come out. The first one was with uh, Charles Oliveira, who moved up to number three in the lightweight uh, rankings after he beat Tony Ferguson, which puts him behind Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier. So that's a good spot for him to be in. And I, the other one was during that BT Sports interview, and I forgot to write it down, but it did happen. So... Twice now in the past week or so, Dana White's referred to the rankings. And why this bothers me? Because it's the MMA media that, that compiles these rankings. And the MMA media now, Dana White has said it, the MMA media is now influencing fighter pay and matchmaking. And especially if it's for a title fight, now you're really influencing, influencing fighter pay and matchmaking. And that's not the media's job. That's a conflict of interest. First of all, you're providing free content to the UFC, which is not great, but if I guess it's your prerogative, but it creates suspicion and it's especially creates suspicion when there is no transparency in the rankings. So if I'm a media member and I want to provide that free content, I would at least stress that I want transparency in the ranking system so everyone can see that my work is above board. There's no transparency. There used to be. You used to be able to see who was voting for who and where and, and all that jazz. 
Not anymore. That changed earlier this year. Don't know why it changed, but again, that creates suspicion. It creates suspicion on both the UFC's part and on the media because we don't know if the UFC is above board with the rankings. I mean, you can suspect they aren't. I don't have proof either way, and you don't have transparency in the voting, so you don't know who's voting for anyone. So shenanigans could be going on. I'm not saying there are, but if you want to remove any idea that there are, how about transparency? Transparency is always the best option, but it's usually the last option with the UFC. So um, I would still implore anyone that's on that rankings committee to drop out the conflict of interest. You should not be influencing uh, fighter pay and fighter matchmaking, and you clearly are. And now is the time to get out of there and say, this is why I got out. And if you're staying in, it would be, I'd be interested in hearing as to why you're staying in. So that closes out my discussion of Dana White's interview with BT Sport. Um, It was interesting to say the least. Not very informative, but interesting. And so now on to Anthony Johnson. And let me preface this by once again saying, and I will beat this drum till I... My hands are calloused and, and bloody. Anthony Johnson should not be in MMA. He has a history of domestic violence dating back 10 years or so. He has guilty pleas. He has no contest pleas. I, I'm sorry. I think he has guilty pleas. I think he pled out at least once. So I might be wrong about that. Um, but I know he has pled no contest. I know it was stricken from his record after he did the, the most. The latest one was... Uh, stricken from his record, I believe, after he completed a 12-hour anger management class. And so, but he has a history. It's a long history. It's not a good history. And that's what I'm basing it on. My my feelings are that if you commit a violent act outside of the sport you're involved in, you should not be paid to do violence in that sport. And now people will say, well, what's he supposed to do? And I would say, I don't really care. The only job in the world is not mixed martial artists. There's other jobs. There's other work. You know, would it be what he wants to do? Probably not. But hey, tough shit. You know what I mean? He, he uh, I think he made the mistakes that he, 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 I'm sorry, he made the choices he made and then you have to live with them. If it was, you know, one thing and it was questionable, mm, but there's a history and you can read up on that history if you so desire. But anyway, on to the subject now. So what there was suspicion as to why he would go with Bellator over the UFC. And here's what he said to MMA Junkie. Business-wise, it's just smart for me. I'm going into a different field outside of MMA. It gives me a little bit more leeway to do a little more. Honest, Honestly, with the UFC like that, you probably can't really do a lot of things that you'd want to do because they're such a strict company. When you have rules, you have to follow them, man. I'm not trying to break any rules, so why not just do our thing, show each other love and respect, and it is what it is. And then the writer of the story here, Nolan King, wrote, what Johnson is referring to is his delve into the cannabis industry with his company, Rumble Time Consultants, Inc. The UFC has a strict policy when it comes to sponsorship rules that Johnson respected and accepted. However, Johnson said because of the rules, a split made sense. And he continued here. I think I'm going to do the same thing. I'll be able to help push Bellator and my own business at the same magnitude and just go forward. With the UFC, they already have a strategy on how they want to do things. 
Everybody knows that. You have to respect it, though. I respect them. They respect me. Why not just do our own thing and everybody goes home happy? So my question here is, is Johnson referring to the sponsorship deals as in he wants to wear um, sponsorship, you know, sponsored clothing and sponsored patches on his uh, cage gear that represents the companies he represents? Because if that's the case, 100% he's right. He can't do that in the UFC. He cannot promote his own business because of the Reebok deal and the upcoming um, the change to, oh my God, uh, Venom. Jesus, escape me there for a second. Uh, I have memory problems. Might be related to concussions, but I don't know. Um, but anyway, I have memory problems. So um, if Johnson's thinking is, I want to represent Rumble Time Consultants, Inc., on my shirt, on my hat, on my shorts. I cannot do that in the UFC, but I can do that in Bellator. 100% correct. However, my bigger question is, is this because the UFC has a deal with a, um, C, a CBA, CBA, CBD, a CBD company, um, and that Johnson cannot represent his own, cannot work for his own uh, consulting company outside of the UFC, even if he's signed with the UFC. So can, is the UFC saying you can't have your consultant company for the marijuana industry and fight for the UFC? Because that seems way out of line, way out of line because Johnson's an independent contractor. Now the UFC can, can, we know what the UFC can do as, as an independent contractor. It's already pushing the boundaries and it has been pushing the boundaries for years. You know, they got the uniform um, thing. They got the whereabouts thing. They got the, the drug testing thing. And there's a bunch of things that already put these fighters more into employee status than independent contractor. But saying that you can't have this business because it conflicts with the UFC business seems way over the line. Let me, let me. Let me uh, use an example. If Johnson owned a uh, landscaping business, would the UFC be able to say you can't have that conflict of interest with the UFC? No, I don't think so because why would it be? If Johnson worked part-time in a warehouse, which we know UFC fighters work part-time, could the UFC say no to that? No, because he's an independent contractor and if he needs or wants to work somewhere, he has that right. Steve Miocic is a firefighter. K.S. Williams, I think, works in a, a pharmacy. And and so why, if this is the case again, and I'm going to try and get some more information on this, why can he not have his consulting business? So it's a, it's a confusing thing. And if it's, if it's the former where it's just the idea that he wants to promote, then, then 100% he's right. If it's the latter where the UFC is saying, no, you cannot work in that industry and be a UFC independent contractor that seems way out of line and way um it's very wrong it seems very wrong and that it shouldn't have that kind of influence on an independent contractor so hopefully this can get cleared up because it's not sitting well with me not at all even in even even in anthony johnson's case someone i who who i think should not even be in the in the in the mma business but i will defend this for him because if the UFC is saying he can't do this because it's some kind of conflict, that's a big problem.
that's a big problem. So hopefully, hopefully it's just the idea of sponsorship and not the idea that he cannot work in that business or work for himself outside of the UFC in that business. I'll try and sort that out. And that's all I have for today. Be back tomorrow. And until then, everyone stay safe. 